0: In 2 Kings tonight, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 14, titled the message, Passionate Pursuit. Um, You know, it's easy sometimes to kind of lose our way and to get distracted. Um, There's a lot that sometimes vies for our attention and... Sometimes it takes circumstances to remind us what really lasts or what really matters. Um, I know through the years I have noticed that, you know, we're always so busy. We're just running around like, you know, chaos sometimes with the different things. But let somebody you love or you end up in the hospital. And suddenly all that stuff that seems so critical, I had to get done, takes a back seat Because what happened? Well, I stopped, and something else took a higher precedence. Somebody I loved needed me, or God put me where I was looking up. It's bad to, when I'm on my back to have to look up. I'd rather be able to stand up, and look up, uh, to get the attention. But but tonight, as we look at Elisha, he was a servant of Elijah, and he loved Elijah. He was committed to Elijah, and he was about to lose. His time here with Elijah. And that's a painful thing too. Your spiritual hero. We all have had spiritual heroes. Those people in the faith that was an in, were inspiration. And then they're gone. I, I didn't mean to get into all this. So I'll get in scripture in a minute. But made me think as I said that. There's a dear man uh, uh, I had grown close to. Alex Booth was his name. Older man, I'd go and see him and talk to him, and he'd put up with me and listen to me ramble and ramble and ramble. And then I heard he had cancer and he was dying. I didn't even know, so I called him up, and he didn't say a whole lot. And a couple about a month later, he was dead, and it just really threw me for a loop. And I think that was one of the first times I stopped and and thought, you know, it's so easy to take stuff for granted. We get this idea that what is comfortable for us is supposed to stay that way till heaven. But we learn it's not that way, don't we? Well, so was the case with Elisha. I want to read from a familiar passage. But actually, the focus tonight is is going to talk about, Lord, help us, as they say, keep the main thing the main thing. To keep our eye on that. And so let's look at this passage. It's 2 Kings in chapter 2. and It's where Elijah is taken up to heaven and Elisha is right there. He's not distracted. He keeps his eyes. He keeps his attention. He keeps his heart focused um, on his spiritual hero and ultimately on the Lord. So turn me 2 Kings chapter 2. ask you to stand in God's honor as I read from his word. It says, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, or the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord your master, from you today. Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry land. When they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak that had fallen from him and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Elisha, and we thank you, Father, that you allowed him to not be distracted. To keep his eye on Elijah and ultimately to keep his eye on you. Father, sometimes we go through those difficulties and it's not that we think they won't happen. As Elisha heard several times, uh, your master's leaving today, uh, Elijah's going to be taken. He, he's, he didn't want to hear it, he, he just wanted to spend more time with he he just wanted to hang close. He, He wanted to enjoy the time he did have. And he wanted to be faithful. And I thank you for that in Elisha's life. And Father, I pray for us. Because you know where we are. You know the struggles each of us face. And you know, Father, what we need. Keep our attention upon you, Father. You... Take care of us, help us remember that, and to to keep the main thing the main thing, Father. To have that passion for you, understanding that you're the only hope that ultimately is going to be there in the end. The one that we can look to and cling to, find strength. So just guide us and help us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. I can't make an exact list for you and you can't make an exact list for me. What we can do is get in the scriptures together and, 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 and hopefully my heart's desire is, is to open up these scriptures to try to be true to the scriptures and, and preach from the word. But, you know, the, I still can only offer a small portion of what is needed. Each of us has to get before God. We we have to get in the scriptures personally and we have to we have to pray and we have to seek his heart individually and, and, and then we have to say, God, what do you want of me? God, who is it that you want me to love or how is it that you want me to love you? God, where 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 do you want me to invest for your kingdom? God, how can your heart be made alive through my hands and my feet and my mouth? And he uses us all in a variety of ways and he he takes our gifts and 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 he uses us for for the cause, but but we're all not just exactly alike. And and the challenge is, God, help me to hear your voice and help me to follow you because there's a lot to distract me out there and he wants us to be aware of that. And So I want to look at several of the things that distract us. And we do, we live in a crazy age. And it seems like we go faster and faster, but don't go anywhere. We're busy, but what are we doing? I see it all around me. We, We get home, we go inside. I don't even hardly talk to my neighbors, I know their names. Because I'm in such a hurry to get in my house. I'm busy. And yet, that's, you know, what happens all around us. And uh, Someone has said that, you know, like if you take a rubber band and you stretch it out, and you hold it stretched out, if you hold it stretched out long enough, not only does it lose its elasticity, but eventually it begins to weaken. And I guess if you just kept it stretched forever, it would break. And we have to be careful that we don't stretch ourselves out to the point To where we lose our elasticity for God. And that we become at a point to where we just fall apart. I remember hearing a preacher one time say. um, He said, well I'd rather. He said, I'd rather burn out than rust out. And I thought, I don't want to be out. I don't want to be out. And, And. And. So um, looking at this, several ways that we're distracted. First, people can distract distract us from our calling. As you notice, as you look through this passage, there were several times that Elisha would come into contact with other people and and, and they kept trying to say to him, well, you know, your master, he's leaving today and you know this is going to happen. But Elisha refused to listen to the chatter that he came to because he had his eyes set in a certain direction. He was focused. He intended to stay with Elijah. And there's a lot of voices that vie for our attention. And God wants us to keep focused upon him, upon his truth. And and that ultimately matters and makes a a big difference. Um, Gordon MacDonald, in his book, Renewing Your Spiritual Passion, talked about the different kind of people there are. It uh, lists five here. The first one, it says the very resourceful people. These are the ones you just go, wow. You know, those people is like, man, if I could just walk like they do with Christ. They're just such an inspiration. And they ignite that passion in us. You know, you just find yourself wanting to be with those people. You, you know, we've all met those. Uh, and then the very important people, they're the ones that share that. You know? I've always thought it so amazing that in the family of God... And you've experienced this, no matter where you go, what city, when you bump into a believer that loves Jesus, there's that connection. I've seen it time and time again, and it's it's just wonderful. I've I bumped into Christians in other places and sat and probably made the rest of my family mad because I just wouldn't. I keep talking and talking and talking, but there's just this bond that that happens, you know, that, that shared. Third is a very trainable person. They're the person that has that hunger for God. And they're willing to learn. And and man, that, that gives us strength. And, and then there's the very nice person. And they're the ones that are they're excited about that passion that's shared, that's enjoyed, that, that, that grows. But then there's the last one. And they're the draining people. They're the ones that just sap us. <laughs> We've met some of those. Just sap your energy and sap your strength. And... Uh, I'm sure I've told the story here, but I, I always when I think of that, I always think of this uh, pastor friend of mine, Clarence, years ago, he was in a church down the road. we got to be friends, and he said there was this lady in the church. she just drained his energy. It's like he said it got the point if I saw her in the grocery store, I would run down different aisles and hide from her. I didn't want to see her now, isn't that sad, but the reason I hear a little laughter is, yeah. <laughs> We've, you know, see some of those that happen people can drain us, people can distract us. A second that I already mentioned is just being too busy. we can find ourselves doing so much stuff that we don't spend time with God. <laughs> uh, this example here I was looking at, a Lutheran bishop he went to a parish in California and said there was this beautiful banner all colorful and and the banner said come holy spirit hallelujah written out in beautiful letters and uh it, it declared in words printed under picture of a of a big fire that was burning and you know it was so exciting he said yeah you, know, you got to think about the spirit of god sweeping through his people and, and there just be a fire that creates warmth and, and, and a fire that creates, you know, there's the power of God and the evidence of his spirit. He said, but unfortunately, he looked down a little further and he saw another banner that said fire extinguisher. That's where they had the fire extinguisher, underneath the fire. And so often we need to ask ourselves, God, am I dousing the flame of your spirit in my life? And sometimes it just is a matter of just taking some time to get with God alone saying, okay, God, here I am, missing all. Let me spend a little time with you and be honest. And someone has said fatigue makes cowards of us all. So one way to check in the busyness is, am I doing so much that I'm just tired? You know, you've heard it said, I've said it, people have said it. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. And there's some truth in that. Um, in in being... uh, being built up, and that's why you know we talk about revivals. Why do we need to be revived? Because we're so quick to lose our passion, and that's why we have these over and over again. I love the story they had asked Billy Sunday, the you know who was in his days famous like Billy Graham was for many of us. And the lady had asked Billy Graham, says, "If revivals make such a difference, why do we have to keep doing them over and over again?" And he said. Why do you have to keep taking baths over and over again? We need his cleansing, don't we? We need him to clean us up. Um, like Elisha, we can be passionate about our dedication uh, to the calling. In First Kings 19, um, as we read about Elijah and Elisha and and you just have a couple of verses at the end of chapter 19 that speak of his call, Elisha's call. And we'll Look at this. This is 1 Kings 19, 19 through the end of the chapter. It says, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen, and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said. And then I'll come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat, gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. Um, as we look at his dedication to follow Elijah, we see a guy who gave what he had to serve. Did, did you catch that in the text, verse twenty-one? It says he took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them, and then he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat. And what he do with the meat? Uh, Obviously, it would be as an offering to God, but how did it come out as an offering to God? Look what it says in the text, verse 21. It says, to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. (laughs) Then he set out to follow Elijah, and he became his attendant. He took what was precious to him. He took that ox. He slaughtered the ox. And, and then he cooked the food. And the people enjoyed a meal together. He ate, was able to show them in a tangible way. I'm God's servant. But that means I'm serving you as well. That that was wrapped up in being God's servant. Was serving people. Was giving them out of what he had. In a tangible way. As they saw him. And then he, his old way of life. He, he burns the equipment in order to say... Man, I'm not looking back. I'm going to look ahead in my pursuit of God. A passionate pursuit as I'm going to be this helper, as I'm going to be this attendant to Elijah. And Elisha, as you look in the scriptures, sometimes he wasn't the nicest guy in the world. Elijah's one of my favorite characters in his power. But, you know, there was the time with the widow... That he showed compassion because the widow's son was dying. And it says that he went and he prayed over this boy, this young man, and he came back to life. But there were other times. I tell you what, I think that Elijah was probably kind of a cranky type of character. It it talks about when he went to Ahab, and Ahab and Jezebel see him. They said, there's that troubler Israel. And boy, he got right back in their face. You're the one that's caused trouble. And man, when he would bring the word, it came with power. And, and, and he wouldn't fool around. Remember when they had the 850 false prophets. And they're out there cutting themselves, slicing themselves. And Elijah's making fun of them. Where's your gods? Were they on vacation? Where are they at? What are they doing? He had that kind of gritty side of him. And I mean, I kind of like that in some ways. But if you were with that day after day after day, that could be kind of tough. Look at Second uh, Kings. Chapter 1, just to get a picture of this in this section of Scripture as he is dealing um, with some people, and um, just look at verses, start verse uh, 8, I guess, and move down, or 7 and move down. The king asked them, What kind of man was it who came to meet you and told you this? <laughs> um, they replied, He was a man with a garment of hair and with a leather belt round his waist. The king said, That was Elijah the Tishbite. Then he sent to Elijah a captain with his company of 50 men. The captain went to Elijah, who was sitting on top of a hill, and said to him, Man of God, the king says, Come down. Elijah answered, If I'm a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. <laughs> then the fire from heaven fell and consumed the captain and his men. This might make you have a second thought about going up to see of the prophet. So what happens? It says, uh, the king sent to Elijah another captain with fifty men. The captain said to him, man of God, this is what the king says, come down at once. Here we go again. If I'm a man of God, Elijah replied, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty men. Fire fell from heaven and burned them up. Little cranky if you ask me. So the he sent a third captain with fifty men. Third captain went up, fell on his knees before Elijah. Boy, I, I get it. I mean, you know, what is the old saying? Fool, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Well, this is third time, so you got to get it by now. Uh, it says that uh, he got on his knees. Man of God, have respect for my life and the lives of these fifty men, your servants. Fires falling from heaven consumed the first two. That's all. Please, have respect for my life. (laughs) Verse 15, the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. I think they were afraid of Elijah. But anyway. So Elijah got up and went down with him to the king. Here was a guy, it's interesting, as you look through Elijah and you look through Elisha the attendant, you really don't read much about Elisha. He's kind of the forgotten guy. Elijah's on center stage, but not Elisha, which says something else about a servant of God. The goal is not to be in the limelight. The goal is not to be the one who gets the attention. But the goal is to love and be there. And that's what Elisha did for Elijah. He did a lot of that stuff that didn't get talked about by other people. He was there to handle the dirty work, the stuff that had to be done. He was faithful. He he attended to Elijah's needs, and and he took care of those little things that have to be done. And you know, as a servant of God in the church, or there's just so many things somebody has to do. Them. And I've you know, of course, we preachers, all of us. I'm always grateful for those people that, you know, you don't even know what all they do, and they do a lot more than you know. Thank God for Um I remember, this just came to me, I didn't even have this message, but a guy, Rain, I think Raymond guy was here. And I remember Mark telling me, said, it was incredible, all the stuff he did at Kingsway when he was here, and nobody knew. There's usually several of those in every church. What a blessing those people are. Um, you've heard this before, but I'm going to share this little thing with you. This is a little story about four people. Named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. You've probably heard this. There was an important job to be done. Everybody was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. (laughs) Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. <laughs> you know, amen. So often we sit back and say, well, I just wish somebody to do it. Well, everybody could have done it. So maybe when we say, why isn't somebody doing it? Maybe God's saying to us, maybe I should do it. Just a thought. Just a thought. It was not until the very end of Elijah's life we find Elisha showing up again in the text. <laughs> And he comes back to be with Elijah at the end, to the very end. Right there, serving him, sticking close to him, being that one to help. What a testimony for Elisha. What a testimony. Why well, he had a sense of destiny. In Elisha's mind, I believe he wasn't just serving Elijah. He was serving God. Sometimes when we think of ministry, we want to put big labels on it. Well, ministry is preaching in a pulpit or ministry is when I have a certain title. Ministry is never merely about a title. Ministry is about loving Jesus. And loving Jesus involves loving people. And that doesn't require titles. It requires a servant. And that's what Elisha shows us. He was in the shadows willing to serve you take a a lot of these athletes. When uh, I was in high school, I had a friend, Gary, who had played triple league baseball for, I don't know, a number of years. And he finally quit. He got close to the majors. And it was between him and another guy, and they chose the other guy because he was five years younger. But he said, you know, for a decade I rode these buses, and I was committed because I wanted to play in the big leagues. I had this sense of destiny, and I was going to make it to the top. Not everybody makes it to the top, but they take the journey. Then you have the stories, like I love the story of Kurt Warner. You know, he's, he's stocking groceries in, a, in the grocery store. And then uh, ends up playing football in the Arena League. Ends up winning the Super Bowl. Didn't do it the normal way. But he had a dream. And he moved toward that dream and there was that sense of destiny. You know, whether we end up at the top or whether we end up in the middle or whether we end up at the bottom, what matters is we end up next to God. As we love Him and as we serve Him. You know, that's what makes a difference. Um, And Elisha received this double portion of spirit as as he served close with a story here and we'll be done it's uh, in erwin mcmanus's book seizing your divine moment and he relates a story in the book his family was on vacation in florida and his kids were out enjoying the waters in the gulf of mexico and uh, he had just given a speech on sacrifice and on being a servant and meeting people's needs and so then they went back out to the beach, and uh, his little boy Aaron um, insisted walking down right on the beach, and and so they were down there, and, and they were walking along. Somehow he he made his way to the water, and he saw a, a a man down there who was in the middle of the crowd, and he was alone, and he was a dumple, double amputee, and he had specialized crutches. But he noticed that one crutch slipped, and this man fell hard to the sand. He tried to pull himself back up again, but he fell down again. And even though this didn't last a long time, he kept trying to raise himself up, and he kept falling down to the ground. People just watched. Nobody reached out to try to help. And his young son ran down there. And he propped himself under the man, trying to pick him up, trying to trying to give him a, a brace so that he could so that that he could steady himself and walk along. But but the weight of the man was just too much, and so they both just fell down on the ground. Well, they they rushed out there, and several helped the little boy Aaron. And they got the double amputee and and were able to help him finally walk to where he needed to go. Little boy just cried and he cried and Aaron said, Daddy, I let him down. He said, I, I tried to help him. I I tried to I tried to come to and, and meet his knee, but he said he was just too big. He was just too heavy. He was just too much. And and I loved what he said to him. It was it was great as his dad shared with him. Um he said, uh Said, I watched my ten year old, this is relaying back to it, run across the beach and without explanation begin to pick the man up. I had to wonder what the man was thinking, as this little boy grabbed his crutch and tried to pull him up. He said I watched as the crowd turned and saw his futile effort. Almost immediately I watched the crowd move toward Aaron and the man. Someone picked up the crutches, others reached down, picked up the man. The group moved as if they were one unit. After the group helped him return to the hotel deck, Aaron came running back to me, tears in his eyes. I couldn't help him. I wasn't strong enough. He couldn't see that no one would have helped the man if he had not taken the initiative. (laughs) My sense of shame was overwhelmed by my deep sense of pride in who my son was becoming. I explained to Aaron that his strength carried the man. It was because of him that others came to his aid. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we thank you for Elisha, a servant. Here we are, Father. Servants. We have different gifts. But they're all for your use. And maybe we feel too weak. Too small. Too. Oh Father. Just too weak. But yet. Maybe if we step out. In faith. Lord. Maybe others will be encouraged. And together as the body of Christ. Your effort. Will. Be magnified and the gospel will go out. It's never about doing it alone. It's about doing it together, Lord. And as we think about Elisha. And as we think about Kingsway and ourselves. May we see that, Lord, we don't need to just listen to what everybody else is saying. Or just be busy. We need to be servants of the Most High God. We need to walk close with you. And we need to do that in a way to inspire one another to be on mission for Jesus. Now, I don't know every detail of what that involves, but I do know it's serving Jesus and loving people. So however you choose to make that concrete, may we be willing. As we have a time we call invitation, speak to our hearts, God. What do we need to do? What are you calling us to do? What distractions need to be pushed aside? What focus needs to be upon you? Father, search us and may we respond to your spirit as you provide the answer to those top questions. Lead us as we stand. Lead us as we sing. Lead us as we follow. In Christ's name we pray.